Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. I'm excited that you're here. I'm glad that you're with us. We're going to get right to work today. Uh, We're talking about hope. If you haven't been here for the last few weeks, we've been kind of talking about how we can have biblical hope. I'm just of the belief our world needs some hope. Anybody else agree with me? And so like that's when you're looking at people, you're thinking about what they need. They need hope. They need to know there's somebody out there that they can trust, that loves them, that cares for them, that has a purpose and a plan for their life, which is all central to the gospel, the Bible. And so we've been building our, our theme of hope off of the truth of Scripture. So once you have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, and what it doesn't mean is that you've accomplished and you've done and you've said and you've you know, become part of a church somewhere. What it means is you stopped running from God and you said yes to a relationship with him through the grace of Jesus Christ, through the cross, the burial, and the resurrection. That's, that's where you're at. Once you have that relationship, why do you have hope? And so I gave you what I called the A's of being okay. I said, first one is God wants to adopt you into his family. God wants a relationship with you. That's how you know you can have hope. Last week I talked about how God is your author. So that means no matter what you're going through in your life, God is, is, is working behind the scenes. God knows what he's doing. He's the author of, of your life. Next week I want to talk to you. I think there's some people in here that you are facing a battle that only God can fight for you. Like that, that happens. There's going to be things in your life that you're not supposed to fight, that you're supposed to allow God to fight for you. And so we're going to talk about how God is our ally next week. Uh, for some of you, it's, I hope that it's going to be a, a releasing sermon for you where you're so stressed out all the time trying to figure out how to win something that God has already figured out how to win. And he's going to fight that battle for you. We're going to talk about that. Uh, today, I want to talk to you on the topic of how God is our advocate, our, 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 our advocate. And so here's what the word advocate means. And it's, it's really important. And here's why this message is important. Um, and I just want to, before I go into the definition of advocate, I want to, I want you to really think about this question. I don't want you to answer it. Second service, I was like, don't answer it. They answered anyways, right? And so just, I don't want you to raise your hand up. Don't give me a little, you know, Baptist hand raise. You know what I'm talking about? Definitely don't want a Pentecostal hand raise. I just want you to Keep your hands to yourself, right? And so, but I want you to think about this question. Here's the question. Do you actually believe that there's a God out there and he's for you? Do you actually believe that? Not like for you, like you're a snowflake and you're like, no, like through Christ, through his sacrifice, his, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, it is God proving to us that God is for us, right? Like he, he's come for us. The Bible says that God sent his son, Emmanuel, God with us. Like I want to, do you actually believe, because this is, a, this is the power, when you know somebody is for you, it changes the, the whole perspective of your life. Like let me, I'm going to give you a, a practical side of it. At my very first job, uh, some of you have been here for years, you've heard about my first job, but some of you have never been here before. So I want to talk to you about this because it's important. At my very first job, uh, I worked at a church called Siegelville, First Assembly of God. Anybody ever hear of Siegelville? And so if you're from Boyertown, Pennsylvania, you make Siegelville, like when you compare it, Boyertown looks like Philadelphia. Like it's just, 
it's, it's, Siegelville was the middle of nowhere. I don't even know if it had a downtown. The way I ended up at this, this church is they had a job opening on a, on a bulletin board. It said, I'm looking for a coach. And so I was 21 years old. I was in my last year of college. I was like, I could, I could do that. That sounds like a fun job. And so I drove to Siegelville, 45-minute drive, met the pastor. There was an opening for their, their, their Christian school coaching job. They, they had flag football. Um, they, had, they had basketball. They had track. They were like, you're going to do this, and you're going to get paid $150 a week, and you can coach our, our sports teams, which for a 21-year-old sounded amazing, right? He was like, oh, yeah, and by the way, uh, you're going to have to be the janitor, right? And so here's what I'll, a little side note for you. When God calls you to ministry, right? And he's going to put you on a platform or wherever he's going to do in public eye. He'll, he'll first put you in a stall somewhere and clean some toilets. Right? If you, if you, God, use my life. Here's some 409, right? Some comment, right? So I was three and a half years into my college education, right? I was gliding by with the C average. I was right on track to graduate, right? And so, um, and I'm cleaning toilets. And uh, as I'm cleaning toilets faithfully, and coaching teams, the pastor begins to see things in me, I believe, that maybe, you know, I, I didn't see in myself. Probably was free labor. And so I'm not sure what it was. But he, he literally took me under his wing and began to give me more opportunities. And so uh, I went from coaching to cleaning toilets to teaching a Sunday school class nobody else wanted to teach to um, doing my internship at this place, which means you work more hours for free to get opportunities to preach and, and, and just like sitting on the stage as a, as a pastor. And so down, down south, oftentimes the pastors sit on thrones on the stage. And so I had a throne up there. I was sitting in And like he just, he believed in me. Like he was for me. Like he... When I told them I, that after I was done working there that I, got a, I, got a, I had to go get a, like a full-time job somewhere and they couldn't pay me, he cried. Like he, he, he told me, I love you. I love having you here. I'm so proud of you. It makes a difference when you know somebody is for you. At that exact same job that I was at, there was this little Weasley children's pastor. I don't even remember his name. He was an older gentleman. He was super old. He was like 40 years old. He was super old. <laughs> And uh, he had worked there for years, and he was definitely not an advocate of mine. Where the pastor was pumping me up, and you can do it, and you should preach, and you can teach this class, and you can do this. Everything that I did, he had a negative comment about. If I went to this, on the stage, and I worship, and I kept my hands in my pockets a little bit too long, he would tap me in the middle of worship and say, pastors don't worship with their hands in their pockets, which I wanted to say, show me on you version, but it hadn't been invented yet. And so... I, I would, we, 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 we both shared a room at the church. He did, he, did, he did kids. I did youth. One day I was like, yeah, we should paint this room because it looks awful. It's like cream color. Nobody wants to come here. And the pastor was like, we don't have a lot of money. We got some paint in the back though. And I was like, what if I just mixed it all together? <laughs> so I mixed it all together. And you would think if you mix a bunch of paint color together, what color would it be? But the, the sovereignty of the Lord <laughs> turned it into this brisk, beautiful blue color. So I painted the entire room blue, my half and his half. I didn't get his permission because I had the permission and the backing of the guy who owned the church. I thought we were cool. He walked in the next day, saw the blue. I can still remember. You can ask my wife. I still talk about this to this day. If I see blue, I'll go, blue, blue. He's like, going like this. He's like I'm going to tell on you. And I'm like, go ahead. I already got permission, right? Like, 
Everything we did, if I cleaned, it wasn't good enough. If I preached, it wasn't good enough. If I worshiped with one arm, it wasn't good enough. Everything, you had this advocate cheering you on, and you had this um, adversary or this accuser. Kind of, and in the middle was this opportunity for me to be discouraged and go one or the other way. And this is the, this is the direction, this is the way life plays out in general. You have a God that's for you, the Bible says he's your advocate. In fact, watch what, watch what scripture says in John 14. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. The reason he uses the word another is because in the Bible, it tells us that Jesus is our advocate. And then he says, I'm going to go back to heaven, and I'm going to ask the Father to send you another advocate. And so the Trinity, one God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You guys tracking with me? I tried to explain it to my barber last week. I'm never doing it again, right? It's a disaster. And so... God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our advocate. He dies on the cross for our sins. He stands before the righteous judge. He takes our punishment. You can see in, in the judicial area, like you have, you have a, a person in trouble. You have a defendant that stands before them. He takes your punishment. He's your advocate. But he also tells you, I'm going to send you another advocate in John chapter 14. The Bible says to help you and be with you forever. Let me ask you something. Does the Holy Spirit come to hurt you? Right? You would think he does by the way we act sometimes. We run, we hide, we do whatever. But the Bible says, I'm going to send an advocate to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. It goes on to say, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. You have an advocate. When you know you have an advocate, it'll change your life forever. I'm going to use a couple sports references. Can I do that? I feel like we're, we're in a good spot in Philadelphia right now. I'm just like, I'm feeling very blessed. I feel like God's hand is upon us, right? And so you guys know the Phillies clinched the playoffs this week, right? Like that was, some of you excited about that. You're going to start wearing red clothes and like all that stuff, right? And so, or red October, all that stuff, right? And so the Phillies clinched the playoffs. It's been a weird season for the Phillies. Come off, losing a World Series, sign a bunch of players, have all these high hopes, play very uh, mediocre, have players, uh, specifically the shortstop that's not living up to his contract, get a bunch of money, comes here to Philadelphia, and does what most people do when they first play in Philadelphia. He doesn't play good because we're awful. And let me tell you what we would have done 100 out of 100 times before. If a player is not playing up to the worth and the value, not, not, you know, not, not, not doing what's supposed to be with the contract, they would show up to, to, the, to the ballpark, and what would Philadelphia typically do? Right? We'll boo your mom, <laughs> your grandmom. We'll boo your, we'll boo your legacy, right? Like we will boo you, right? And the thought is if we boo you, it'll scare you into playing good. And so Trey Turner, he was struggling, right? He wasn't fulfilling what he thought he would feel. He was not playing up to standards. And midway through the season, as he's not doing it, Philadelphia fans have a light bulb moment. And for the very first time in the history of Philadelphia sports, what did they do? They cheered him on to what they thought he could be, not where he currently was. And I don't know if you're a Phillies fan, but the remainder of the season, Trey Turner had a, a few months season that he had never had before based on the advocacy of the Phillies fans. I hope we learned something from that. Everything changes in your life 
When you know, because in the middle of it, you're facing a little bit of discouragement. You don't know who, who, who to listen to. But when you understand you have an advocate, it changes the direction of your life. It changes the response to, to your struggles. That's why, by the way, that the scripture tells us you have an advocate on one side. And in Revelation, it calls Satan, the, the, the roaring lion sneaking around to, to devour. It calls Satan the accuser. I think it's interesting. Both words start with A, that preaches. On one hand, you have an accuser that is constantly standing up, pointing the finger, telling you where you failed, telling you you suck, telling you you'll never accomplish anything, making fun of your mom, like constantly pointing the finger at you. And on the other side, you have an advocate saying, man, I know you're not where you want to be, but I need you to understand. I see where you could be. And you need to decide, you're in this struggle where you decide what voice you're going to listen to. And so uh, another, I was watching the Eagles game then, and so... And uh, Monday night, I was inspired. Like, I watched the game, studying for this message, and I, at, on Tuesday morning, I saw this video that was uh, um, outside the stadium after the game was over. And it just spoke to me. I want you to see this video because it's biblically inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? And I want you to see, I want you to see what I'm talking about. It, it, it legitimately shows you exactly what I think is happening in Scripture. So just check it out. It's just 45 seconds. Check out this video. Let's start with ABC Action News reporter Michael Paluska. He's been outside the stadium throughout the evening. He joins us live with the very latest. Michael, how's it going out there? Hi. Hi, Wendy. Good evening. Yeah, you know, these are not the live shots you want to do after the, uh, the Bucks lost because people are coming out here. They're yelling in front of the camera. Uh, they said it looked more like a uh, Eagles home game uh, out here. But, you know, there, there's a lot of things that happened, you know. And I'll try to get through a live shot. Since we're... Uh, fans were annoying before the game they're even worse now maybe we could find a bucks fan to talk to hey what did the bucks do right today uh nothing <laughs> what did the eagles do right everything there you go there you go all right hey hey don't no cursing no cursing thank you thank you thank you all right so you know what we still like baker mayfield and we still we still like the bucks and so wendy until the until things are getting a little crazy so we may have to send it back to you guys See? Did you, do you see the divine direction, inspiration from the Holy Spirit that they displayed? Let me just show you. You have Tampa Bay reporter. He's like the Satan. And he's like, I'm reporting back to duty. This person did this thing wrong and this person did that. And they, did you see what they thought about? And they're a failure and they're never. And he's reporting and he's trying to report. And in and, uh, and the background, um, the truth right? Just completely overwhelms the interview to the point where he just quits. Oh, we're going to send it back to you. I'm never going to do this again. I mean, that's what the Bible implies. You take captive every thought. You make it obedient to the word of God. You have Satan walking around. He's just accusing. I hope I could take this mic, Ben. I just took it. And so, um, and he's just accusing there's this, there's this gentleman in the third row at Journey Church this week, and he's, uh, he's tried to be sober. He's only been sober for three, three days now, but, and, you know, he failed again, and he failed again, and he failed again. He even has a couple coins when he was, for a while he was sober, but he failed again. And he, I just got to tell you, he's going to fail again. There's, there's a marriage over here in that back, back corner in Montgomeryville, and so um, <laughs> I saw my wife. That's why I said that. And so, <laughs> and, uh, 
They've worked really hard, and they said they weren't going to yell at each other this week, and they just, they just got to tell you, God, I don't know if you heard what they said. They took your name in vain. And you come here, and you listen to this, this interaction. It's, you know, it's like that old cartoon where you got the, the, two, the angel and the demon. I remember that old, if you, you know, part of my generation, it was a pretty common thing where you have kind of two voices arguing back and forth, and, and you have this, this, this accusations constantly going, going towards your life. And if you're not careful and you don't go the other way and feel that advocacy, that support, you end up in, 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 a, in a spot that's really dark. You end up in a spot where a lot of people, people quit. In fact, I, I, I was preparing for this message and I just, it just came to me. I, like, I, wrote, I wrote the word um, accuser on, in a circle. And so uh, can you just put that up for me? I wrote this on that. We have this whiteboard um, and uh, I wrote this word accuser and, and that's Satan. And it, they just, these words just came to me. Like this is what happens when you're, when you're on the other side and you're being accused. This is the kind of the, how your life is surrounded. And what do you, what do you constantly feel by Satan? You feel, you feel criticized, right? Which when you feel criticized all the time and you feel like people are nitpicking, what happens in here also happens out here. And so you know if you struggle with a critical spirit, it's because you're struggling with the accusations of the critic in your life. Satan also fills our life with misdirection. He loves to get you to go right when Jesus says go straight. Just a little bit. Just misdirection. Um, once he gets you going in the wrong, he, the accuser loves to bring some opposition into your life. He loves to bring opposition. He loves to bring sabotage. I started thinking he loves to sabotage our lives. He loves it when somebody who God is for doesn't realize God is for them, doesn't realize how God can work even through their failures and starts to, starts to walk away from the plans of God and he begins as your accuser to sabotage the direction of your life. He sees God's plans for you, and he goes, no, no, I'm going to do everything I can to get you not to get to that spot. He loves to frustrate. I don't know if anybody's in here today, and you're feeling a high level of frustration. You said you weren't going to do that again, but you did it again, and now he's frustrating you. You ever notice when you say you're not going to do something in church, and you promise yourself you're not going to do it, you do it more the next week? This is the last week I'm going to yell. We're going to start that tomorrow, God. He loves to tear down. He loves to see you spiritually in a corner somewhere, just, just beat up, but then you have an advocate, and it just came to me. For every accusation that, that the, the adversary throws at us, that Satan throws at us, that our, our, our advocate, can you bring that up for me, our advocate begins to bring truth. And so instead of a critical spirit, he becomes a what? Everybody say it. He, he begins to cheer you on, not from, not from weakness, not from non-truth from the truth he sees he sees in you what's in you because he put it in you he knows what you can do with your life instead of misdirection um when, when you get the advocate you get wise counsel you ever been some in a situation where you're like god i just need your help and he begins the bible says when you call he answers and he begins to give you wise counsel instead of opposition you get a defender we're going to really talk about that next week you get a defender instead of sabotage. You get a God that brings support instead of frustration. You, you get a God that champions your life, right? Instead of tearing you down, you get somebody who's holding you up. See, it's really important, and he, here's why. In the middle, 
if you're not careful, if you're not careful what direction you go to in the middle when you're going through things in your life and your accuser is speaking truth, because let's be honest, sometimes what he says is true. You have failed a bunch of times. You haven't been able to stay clean. You, you haven't been able to, 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 to stay married in a healthy way. You're not, you're not being able to change your own habits. Your mom and dad still are affecting you. You're still mad. I'm still mad at the dude that said blue from 20 years ago. Left up to my own work, I'm going to struggle. Satan is speaking some truths to me. And what's going to happen is if I don't lean on the advocacy of God, if I don't see a cheerleader, a counselor, a defender, a supporter, a champion, and an upholder in my life, in the middle is discouragement. Satan loves discouragement. In fact, uh, the, old, the, old, the old story goes like this. Uh, Satan was having a yard sale one day, which yard sales could be considered hell. And so... Like, I've, I've never done a lot of yard sales, but I did do one with Leah's mom and dad one time in Oklahoma, and literally, we got the stuff all ready in the garage, and the door started going up. It was like, it was, we were like counting down, we're going to have this yard sale. The garage door started going up, and fingers started coming through like walking dead. <laughs> it was terrifying, right? But if Satan had a yard sale, and let's say people went to it, walk around, see the stuff he has, and the story says Satan has some tools laying around. Some of them in better condition than the others, and all of them have, you know, different prices, but all reasonably priced, and so people would walk through and look at some of Satan's tools, and some of the tools that he, 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 he has for sale would be envy, and, and hatred, and jealousy, and immorality, and deception, and gossip, and, you know, gossip's kind of expensive, and so, and you get the tools of gossip, but off in the corner, the back corner, is a tool that's very, very worn out, but also very expensive, and so the thrifty shopper goes to the back, looks at it, looks at the price, wants to know, wait, why is this tool so expensive? It's, this, this, it's all worn out. Like, why is it so expensive? He flips it over, and the name of the tool is discouragement. And he asks Satan, why is this tool so worn out and so expensive? And Satan says, the reason it's so worn out and it's so expensive is that's the tool I use the most. That's the tool that gets the most bang for the, for the buck, and that's the tool that I use to ruin the most followers of Christ's lives. Satan wants you to be discouraged. Satan wants you to give up. Satan wants you to look at how many times you failed and say, well, I just keep failing, and so I don't, guess I can't do this whole Christian thing. I guess I can't do this whole following Christ thing. Everybody else seems so happy, but I can't get over this depression. Everybody else has good marriages, but I can't have a good marriage. Everybody else seems like they have purpose, but I'm having a hard time getting up. I can't even really sleep at night. I guess I can't do this Christian thing. And so here's what I want to do. When Satan gets you in the middle right there, and he's trying to get you away from your advocate, and he's filling, filling you with accusations, I want to give you two things. Everybody say two things. And this is not because there's an Eagles game at one. Just so you know, I didn't even know they were playing that one. But I just want to give you two things. I usually give you four things, five things. Every once in a while, you're lucky with three things. Today, you are gifted with only two things by the grace of God that you have to remember. You ready? Here's what I want you to do. Next time that, that you begin to get worked over, you're in a season of discouragement, Satan begins to speak even some truths to you in your life about what you can't do and what you're not doing and you're feeling like you want to give up, here's the first thing you're going to do. The first thing you're going to do is when this happens, you're going to say this out loud, out loud. You're going to say, you're right. Maybe not out loud because that'll be weird people around, right? <laughs> By yourself somewhere. 
Satan's work, I just want you to go somewhere. And here's how I want you, want you to start your conversation. I want you to say, you're right. I can't do anything on my own. Now, this is not going to preach real good if you're one of those motivational poster people. You know what I'm talking about? You go in a boardroom, it's like, you can dream it and achieve it. And I believe you can fly, right? <laughs> and you're one of those, you know, maybe you don't do that anymore. I don't know if you're like a podcast or like an like a iTunes person where you go search a, like motivational spe speaking, right? Like motivational talks, and they put it to like, it'll be like, you can do it. You know what I'm talking about? Right? You know what I'm talking about? Nobody knows that? See, I'm, I've listened to it a bunch of times, right? One of the dudes we used, to, we used to work with, he used to just put it on, right? I would put on rap, and he would, put on, he would come behind me and put on that, and it would just be like, right? It's super weird. And so, and what, they'd be like, you can fly. And I'm like, no, you, if you actually listen to that stuff, you're like, this is, this is not true. I cannot fly. I tried, right? And so this is, this is one of those things that doesn't feel ultra, ultra encouraging, but if you get it, it will change your life forever. You get in the middle, you messed up. Does anybody in this room ever mess up? Let me ask you again. This is the last service. So I know you guys mess up. Anybody in this room ever mess up? Anybody in this room ever say, I'm never going to do that again? <laughs> okay. Too much. Let's stop there. You're getting a little too excited about it, right? Right? And so we, we all fail. We all mess up, and one of the most freeing things to say in the middle, because when you mess up, you're going to have Satan accusing you, right? But he's actually just saying what is true. And what you're going to say to him, when somebody begins to accuse you, you're going to, you're right, I can't do anything on my own. Here's what happens in our lives. If we're not careful, we, we try to get religious, we try, we fail, we frustrate, and we quit. We try, we fail, we frustrate and we quit. Why? Because that's what the Bible says happened. Well, watch what it says in, in, in the book of Jeremiah. It says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Does that sound encouraging? Cursed is the person who tries to do this on their own, work out their salvation on their own, follow God's plan on their own, listen to God's decrees on their own, heal their own heart, fix their own marriage. It says that person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. Second Samuel 2 says it's not by strength that one prevails. That's hard for me and some of you workers. We're like, I'll just, I'll just work harder. I'll just try harder. The Bible says it's not by strength. Psalm 60 says, give us aid against the enemy for human help is worthless. In other words, when you try self-effort, you are always doomed to fail. You swing and you miss harder. And I, I've told you this story before if you've been here for a long time, but I always go back to my middle son's t-ball experience. And so uh, Lincoln has never, ever struggled with sports confidence. And so like he'll, he's just, that's not been his problem. And so, um, so we were playing t-ball very first year. And uh, you know how kids say stuff sometimes and you're like, oh, God's going to have to work that out. So we were going to T-ball. He had played one game in T-ball. Now, T-ball is, is, is another section. There's a thrift store section in hell. You know, garage. And then there's a T-ball section in hell where you just watch T-ball games, right? They don't keep score. They, there's no outs. You just watch T-ball, right? It's, it's bad. And so if you had kids that played T-ball, if you're truthful with yourself, it's probably the worst season of sports 
that you'll ever have in all of sports when you raise kids. And so, but once you get through there, it gets better. Am I preaching right? It's not cute. It's awful. And so, right? And so he played t-ball. And uh, t-ball is super simple. You put the ball on the tee, keep your arm, their eyes on the ball, and you swing through and you do what? You hit the ball. It's super simple. And so uh, Lincoln, he first game, super successful. Goes to his head. Six years old. We're in the car driving to the car, driving to the next game, and he said, I think it was just me and him. Liam might have been there. I don't remember the, the, how it happened. But he legitimately said, I think I'm the best player on my team. <laughs> to which, if, if, it, if I remember it right, I was in the car with him, and I was like, no, bro, you're not even the best player in this car. That's me, right? And so, <laughs> right? But no, I didn't say that. He said, I think I'm the best player on the team. I hit the ball so far. And I, I was like, all right, that's good. You're probably going to have to work this out. You know, it's not reality. It's just not true. Just go give your best, son. Sometimes when you say something like that, you put the pressure on yourself where you then have to go out and prove it. So when you say like something like, I thank, I'm so thankful that I've been clean for this many years. Like, look at me. Look what I've done. If anybody wants a marriage like me, come see me. I'll, $39.99, I'll teach you how to do it. Can you believe how awesome my kids are? You ever do something like that? Look how much they love the Lord. Let me show everybody. When you do that, you put the pressure on yourself to carry that weight of performance at that level. The Bible says pride comes then the fall. That's just another little side sermon for you. And so he gets out, and they put the ball on the tee. I'm, I'm not coaching him at this point. I'm standing at the fence, and I'm having to watch this. Put the ball on the tee. He gets, gets, gets ready. He's going to hit this ball. He's the best player on his team, right? He goes to swing at the ball hard as he can. He swings right through the ball, hits right underneath the ball. You know what I'm talking about? Hits right underneath the ball on the tee, knocks the tee over. The ball falls flat. Do, do it again, Right? Swings again. I'm not playing with you. The exact same thing happens. Hits right under the tee. Ball falls down. We're 16 times into this. I'm in the car at this point. Where's, where's Mr. Dufresne? We don't know. He left, right? I'm, I'm in, like literally keep swinging. Cannot hit the ball. The harder he swings, the more that he what? He misses. It gets so bad. He's on swing number 20. I'm not lying. I walk out. I'm like, he's out. I don't care if you think I'm a bad dad, if I'm giving up on his dreams. Bro, you are out, right? And so he don't play baseball no more, by the way. <laughs> the, the harder that he swung, the bigger that he missed. There's a principle there. If it's all about you and your effort, in fact, Satan loves it. Satan loves to accuse you for you to get cocky and be like, nah, you don't know what I can do, right? All this stuff, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And you begin to swing and you miss even more and he's standing back laughing at you. Because you are swinging at something and trying to hit something and trying to accomplish something that you can only do through the support and the strength of your advocate. So the next time Satan starts coming at you, the one of the most freeing things in the world it's, it's humbling. By the way, the Bible says when you're humble, God can lift you up. Where you become weak, God can become what? Strong. Less of me, more of God. The, the, so next time that it happens, just real simple, you're going to look at, at, at your situation and you're going to go, you're right. 
I can't do anything on my own. I I can't stop sinning on my own. I can't stop the drugs on my own. I can't fix my marriage on my own. I can't change my mind on my own. I can't heal my past. I can't forgive the unforgivable. I can't stay pure. I can't figure out the next correct step. I can't do anything on my own. It's actually freeing because a lot of times we think we're doing it on our own. And we actually live as if we're doing these things for God instead of doing these things with God. Everything that God calls you to in his life, in fact, the Bible says that that word advocate or counselor in that scripture, if you study the Greek, means one called to the side of. And he wants to walk step by step by step. You can't get out ahead of him because you need him. Step by step by step with you. You're right. I can't do anything on my own. Here's, here's number two. But here's where it gets good. It's real simple. Everybody say, you're right. I can't do anything on my own. Right? Your wife's sitting beside you, been asking you to change. Tell her. I can't change on my own. Sitting by somebody who's trying to stay off drugs, they can't do it on their own. Trying to get over your anger, I can't do it on my, I cannot do this on my own. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, the problem is in a lot of churches, we're what we call an I, I can club. That, that preaches, ah, I can do it. Right? Or we can say, you can do it. Right? Like the dude from the water boy, you can do it. You can do it, right? And we get people pumped up. And even in the, the, like the first one, it was like, you're going to be okay. And we're all, oh, I want to be okay. But if you don't back it up with the word of God, it's just a weird end of the sermon with the piano playing and emotions brewing. And you can do that. You can brew your emotions up, but they're going to be too weak to carry you through life. So what you got to do is you got to rest and get situated on truth. So he, here's the truth. I can't do anything on my own, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So instead of us being an I can club, we are a he can church. When I look at your situation, what I don't think is what's your background, what's your genetic makeup, what, what's, your, what's your chemical imbalance in your life, uh, what, what, what's been your history with this, how many people have struggled in your history, have you ever read the Bible before, what's your father like, what's your mother like, what's your background, what's your giftings, what's your talents, okay, that decides how good you're going to be. I look at you and I see you as a potential child of God. And I know when Jesus is able to have access into your life, that everything you ask, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I, can I overcome this? Can I? And I'm, the answer is always, yeah, Jesus can. Can I stay clean? Yeah, Jesus can get you there. Can I have a healthy marriage? Yeah, Jesus can teach you that. The, 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 the counsel of the Holy Spirit can walk you through that. Uh, can, I, can I stay pure in my mind? Yeah, God can do that in your life. God can. We are not an I can. We are a he can church. It's, it's a different. We're not celebrating human effort. We're celebrating the power, the provision, the strength, uh, the, way, the ability to overcome of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In fact, that's what it says in Philippians 4. It says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Anybody ever heard that verse? You've probably seen that on a mug sometime right? Christian t-shirts been getting cooler and cooler, right? But there was a time that they were super dorky. Like that was one of those shirts. I remember I had this one shirt. It said, uh, in case of rapture, you can have this shirt. 
I would wear it around. And, I, and looking back, I'm like, even if the rapture happened, nobody would want that shirt. Right? But Christian stuff's gotten cooler. And so now you see like cool, cool Christian gear. I saw somebody walk in with a, with a, with a jean jacket with this cool Christian Bible verse. So this is one of those ones you just see it all the time. Like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But you've got to really dig in. It's written by Paul. He's in prison. Um, he's facing Nero, standing before Nero, and he's soon to be beheaded. He's chained to two Roman guards day in and day night and, and night. He's miserable. He's separated from his friends. He's probably never going to go home again. By the way, he came there knowing he would probably never go home again. Like when he got on the boat to go to Rome, they said, don't go, Paul. If you go, they're going to kill you. And he said, that's a possibility, but I'm called there. I don't know if I'm answering that phone call from God. And he goes there and he gets, he gets chained, he gets put in prison, it's just bad. And uh, he reminds every person who's listening in his churches and Philippi and, 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 and then us as believers now, thousands of years later, he says, listen, me and you, we can do all things. But he adds on, what does he say? Through Christ who gives us strength. He doesn't say, hey, me and you can do this. Hey, you can have a good marriage. Hey, you can, you can break that addiction. Hey, you can, you, can have, you can figure out how to raise that kid. Hey, you can find the answers. Hey, you just got to dig deeper. It's in you. No, no. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. In fact, it's reiterated over and over and over again. Jeremiah 17 says, the blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Zechariah says, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It's not about if you can do it, it's about if God can do it. So I want you to find yourself again in this. Can you bring up the, uh, the accuser slide again for me real fast? You have that, the accuser slide. And so find yourself. Where, where are you in the moment of, of discouragement? And uh, fi find mentally, spiritually, relationally where you are on, on, the, on the spectrum. Are you constantly feeling criticized, led astray, opposition, all those things? And then as you find yourself, what I want you to do is I want you to stand on the truth of who your advocate is. So this is your accuser. Can you bring the next one up? So you, you found your spot, right? Can you bring the, the, the advocate up? Can you just bring all the slides up for me real fast? And so just all of them, just keep bringing them up. There you go. I want you, when we pray, if you constantly feel this, this critical spirit, I want you to pray, and hey God, I wanna, I wanna feel, feel your presence in a way where I can actually feel that you're for me. Like I, I feel, I, 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 wanna, I wanna see, God, what you see in me. I wanna, I wanna know your thoughts. Like I wanna, I wanna see that. God, some of you, you, you've been worked over, right? And, and you, you don't have the right answer. And the Bible says, if you seek him, you'll find him. If you ask, he'll answer. So I'm just gonna, Holy Spirit, would you just begin to direct me in, in that? Some of you, we're gonna talk about this next week, this being defended, but some of you are facing something and uh, you're fighting it under your own strength and you just need to trust. You have a God that's fighting for you. He's fighting. Some of you need to feel supported. I like this one, championed. Everybody needs somebody to come alongside them when they're losing, when they're shaky, when they're failing, and to come alongside of them and reinstill 
a little strength in them. Champion. And God is my upholder. God, 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 wherever you're at, the Bible talks about how God holds you with his righteous right hand. You know what? You know why the Bible says right hand a lot? Like in the Bible, a right hand is a symbol of authority. It says that a lot. It says Jesus sits at the right hand of God, authority. That God holds you with his right, righteous right hand, authority. God is the one who will hold you in all situations. So let me ask you again. Do you understand the gravity and the truth and the reality? There's a God that's for you. And if God is for you, what does the Bible say? You know what it says? Who can be against you? If God be for me, who can be against me? Would you stand to your feet? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let me just speak to your situation real fast. There's nothing worse than being discouraged. There's nothing more taxing on you spiritually than not only going through failure, but continuing to carry that failure as if it defines who you are. As if that is what depends on where you can go from this point forward. Discouragement. Satan loves it. Satan loves to, to exaggerate the truth. Satan loves to accuse you when you're down. Satan loves to criticize you. Satan loves to point out flaws. Satan loves when you begin to take all that and, and you begin to kind of run away from truth and, and you isolate yourself. Because that's where Satan does the greatest damage he could do. I don't know if you ever studied that context. The Bible says that Satan roars around like a, a roams around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. If you ever have time, research that. Lions love to find the wounded animal. They don't go after the strong. They go after the wounded, slowest animal, and they isolate them from the pack, and that's where they, they destroy. Satan wants you to carry around deep wounds. He wants to isolate you, and he wants to destroy you. But the Bible talks about how God loves you, is with you, is for you, sees you. We talked about it last week, authors your life, how close he is to you. That he's for you, that he sees good in your life, that he sees the potential because he placed it in you before the foundations of the world. That he loves you more than you can imagine. That he's with you step by step by step. As soon as you yielded your life to him and said, I'm going to follow you, he agreed to stick with you. Like a friend that's closer than a brother, the Bible says. And there's nothing like knowing this Jesus. There's, there's nothing like knowing that he's in control. There's nothing like knowing that he is for you. There's nothing like knowing that he's in control. There's nothing. So let me start there. You're discouraged. You're overwhelmed by life. You're out of answers. You've tried on your own to fix yourself. You've sought answers. You've run out the relationship and, and success and, and education and influence and all the things the world has, money. And you've never seemed to come to the 
reality that, that something fully fulfills you. Some of you, it was temporary, but it's never been for your life. You've always search and never find it. Let me just tell you what the Bible says. There's, there's a God. He's not hard to find. In fact, um, as you've been searching and as you've been wandering and as you've been looking, the Bible says that he's been pursuing you. That that God's been knocking at the door of your heart. That you've not shed a tear he's not seen. That you've not gone through pain that he didn't understand. That he's been pursuing you. And the Bible says that he's knocking at the door of your heart. If you would just stop running, if you would just let him into your life, and by the way, you do this through a relationship with Jesus. You don't do this through effort. You don't do this through coming to church and starting to memorize scripture and dress in a certain way and going to a class and then there's a God somewhere that loves you. You do this when you stop running from that God and you say yes to a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who died for your sins on a cross. Jesus is the risen Savior. He defeated death and hell. Jesus is the one who sits in authority. Jesus is the one that can change you. It's Jesus. The Bible says the name above all names. So if you're tired of being tired, if you're tired of being discouraged, if you're tired of being alone, if you're tired of being isolated, if you're just tired, Jesus said it. One of my favorite scriptures he said, he said, if you're tired and weary, if you're heavy laden, come to me. I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the invitation today. You have a God that loves you, that is more for you than you could probably even imagine. And he wants a relationship with you through his son, Jesus Christ. Your only responsibility is to say yes. I'm going to turn my life away from sin. I'm going to repent and believe. I know I need a savior. I know I need salvation. And I'm going to turn my life back towards God and say yes to him. And in that moment, he'll take you just as you are. He's not going to leave you that way, by the way. But he'll meet you right there in that moment. Jesus Christ, would you be my Lord and my savior? So with everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed, that's where we're at right now. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. I'm so discouraged, I'm so alone, I feel so isolated, I feel hopeless. Sometimes I feel like nothing's ever gonna change. The Bible says one moment with God is better than a thousand elsewhere. God could do something immediately in your life that you have never been able to accomplish on your own. God can. You can. You can. God can. There are some things in your life that only God can solve. Jesus Christ, would you be my Lord and my Savior? I'm gonna pray with you as we close here in Montgomeryville. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. All over this house, I don't know him, but I need to. Nobody's looking around. I just wanna lead you in a simple prayer. The Bible says we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and we shall be saved. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. I'm discouraged, I'm lonely, I'm isolated. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's you all over this place and in Montgomeryville, would you just begin to shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, pastor, I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. There's a hand here. Is there anybody else? There's a hand right here. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. I want to know him. I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. 
There's a few other hands that went up. Would you clap? Would you clap with me? If you're in Montgomeryville, we're going to give you one more second to respond, and we're going to pray together all over our houses. Uh, I love this time in service. As we pray um, and we, we respond to this, there's a verse of Scripture that says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I think, I think it's not a recommendation. It's truth. Because what happens is you pray this prayer every week. I'll say, hey, repeat after me. And we kind of just go through the motions as church people. And there's nothing better than remembering what it felt like to have your life changed forever. That's what's happening in this moment. Jesus Christ, would you move in a real and powerful way? Hey, would you do me a favor? We've been waiting here. Three people have responded in Montgomeryville. Would you clap with me? Now, all over our houses, whether you've prayed this before, this is your very first time, would you pray something like this? Say, Jesus Christ, I'm so tired of living my life without you. And so today, I put my whole life in your hands. I believe in you. I know you love me because you died for you for me. I know I can live for you because you rose from the dead. And so from this day forward, Jesus Christ, you have my entire life. And we thank you for the promise in Scripture. The Bible says when we call on the name of Jesus, not only is our life on this side of eternity changed, but Lord, we want to step back. The Bible says all of heaven stops to rejoice when one person comes home. Think about that. And then all of, if you're here, the Bible says that your name was just written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Just written. That's a powerful reminder of what happens. Lord, we love you and we thank you one more time for this day. Lord, I pray right now for those that maybe know you but have been in a season of discouragement. And maybe, maybe they realize in their own accord through your word today, they've been doing it on their own. There's nothing more freeing than realizing that we're not in control. When we decrease, the Bible says you're able to increase. When we become weak, you're able to become strong. When we humble ourselves in your sight, you can lift us up. So we put our entire life in your hands. We thank you, Lord, that you're for us, not against us. Lord, help us to see you in every aspect of our lives. Lord, some of us need a wonderful counselor right now to come into our life and speak truth to us. Others of us need to be, need, a, need, a, need a defender right now. Would you come in and would you just begin to do the work that only you could do? Some, somebody in this room needs a, just, just, just a cheerleader right now. Somebody to come in and say, I see more in you than you even see in yourself right now. Lord, with all that being said, I pray right now that you would just, that, that spirit of discouragement, that you would, you would decrease it right now, Lord, that, that this place would be filled with joy, this place would be filled with big hope, this, this place would be filled with the expectation for the miraculous. We serve the God that calls impossible things possible. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done. We love you. Being in your presence, singing your praises, hearing from your word, it never gets old. Most importantly, watching people respond to your gospel and step from death to life. Let it never get old. Let us celebrate like it's the very first time we've ever experienced it. In Jesus' name that we pray all over our houses. Would you shout amen? Let's clap together. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, 
Visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.